Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. Real inspiration for real innovators. If you're looking for innovation and leadership transformation, your journey starts now. Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. Seth Godin once said, leadership is the art of giving people a platform to spread ideas that work. Before we get started today, it would be my huge honor if you would subscribe to our podcast and share this episode with your followers. And of course, please leave us a review. This helps spread the podcast so we can get more listeners that love the art of innovation and leadership, just like you. Today, I'm super excited about my guest, Dave Allen. Dave is a product executive who spent the last 25 years leading multiple innovation teams at various startups and Fortune 500 organizations. Currently, he is the co-founder and CEO of Padian, a payment and data network focused on expanding digital payment options for the underbanked community. Welcome to the podcast, Dave. Thank you. Well, so we are talking about a pretty big topic today, which is innovation in fintech. But before we do that, I would love for you to just talk a little bit about why you started Padian. So Padian is really a culmination of um, the last 25 years. What I've done in the industry and what I've learned in the industry over the last 25 years. And, um, and so what we're trying to do is blend the, the unbanked or the needs of the unbanked community with those of the fully banked community. So what we're really trying to do is not necessarily develop a solution specifically for one community, but develop a solution that both communities can enjoy. And so this really addresses participants such as the retailers, the issuers, and of course, the consumers. So talk to me more about this idea of unbanked and what that means. I'll be honest, it wasn't a term I'm super familiar with. One of the, over my, I guess, 25 years, about 15 years ago, I worked with um, a company that focused on prepaid. And so that kind of got me into viewing that community and seeing that community. And one of, one of the things that I learned back then, and it's even more so now, is that it's very expensive not to have a bank account, meaning just using cash or cash-like um, products such as prepaid is very expensive. And so what I've been doing over the past 15 years is just really taking the time to understand that community and try to develop products within my normal work days, if you want to call it that, to, to, to benefit that community. So what do you see as some of the impacts besides just besides it being too expensive, right, to uh, not have a bank? What do you see as some of the impacts overall to this unbanked community? So it's not even just paying too much, but I mean, when you take a, a use case such as someone who doesn't, say for instance, they don't have a car, um, they live in a community where public transportation may not necessarily be at its best. And then that individual would, you know, get off work and they may have to then pick up their kids from daycare. And so that's an additional, uh, from a time commitment standpoint, uh, from an expense that they have to figure out how to get to that daycare a lot of times on time. If they have their paychecks, the cash, then they have to figure out how to get to a check cashing store. And then they may have groceries. And so when you kind of think of that, the life that, you know, that that person kind of goes through, it's, it's, it's a huge impact overall. So not just from a pure financial standpoint, but from a time commitment as well, and just overall well-being. 
trying to reduce them, just some simple parts or some basic parts of that person's life or make it a little bit easier can have um, a significant impact overall. I love the examples because it kind of gives you that piece of empathy of kind of, as you described that, I was seeing the person kind of trying to get through their day, getting to the bank on time, getting to where they need to go on time. And how do you do that when you work, you know, maybe you work eight to five, which is when banks are open. And just seeing that kind of the hardship of not having a place to bank and understanding the value of something I think that most of us would probably say we just take for granted and just expect it as, as normal. When you described that, kind of took me there with that person. Yes, and that's kind of what I've felt and I've seen. And personally, I spend a lot of time in the community, like just trying not to just kind of see them, you know, or see the community as, oh, yes, it's over there, but being a part of it almost. And, and so talking to just, you know, just a lot of times I, I visit different states and I'll de- deliberately find that community where you have a lot of on and underbank folks and just walking and just talk to them, you know, just ask basic questions. And it's funny that people will just talk to you about whatever it is that um, that you ask them about. And so just kind of learning and understanding, you know, some of the pain points that they're having and they're experiencing, that gave me a whole new perspective on, you know, on how, uh, as an innovator, how I could develop products and solutions that could um, that could benefit them. I love it because it's, it's not it's not just going to benefit them. It really matters and it really provides a better quality of life. And I love that. It's, it's very impactful just hearing you tell that story. So I'd love to know when you think about the broader picture here and you look at kind of fintech or financial technology as a whole, and then you look at the underbank community, compare and contrast do you feel that you started something in this space because it's not moving as fast as kind of the rest? Are most people not really focused on solving this problem? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I've worked with startups and Fortune 500 companies over the past 25 years. Um, I've seen a lot of investments going into fintech, um, but it's the targets are really the, the general populace, you know, that um, 60, 70, 80 percent of folks who have a bank account. But one of the things that I'm realizing is that you don't necessarily have to be like fintech versus, you know, the underbanked. What we're really trying to do is then saying, hey, fintech, you could actually target the underbanked Mm. community with your existing product line. Just take a little bit of time and, you know, do a little bit of research. And you may only need to change a couple of processes here and there. You may need to add a couple of features here and there. But we started our Padian mainly because of that, to just really saying, hey, we're not necessarily developing a product exclusively for the honor and the underbank community, in which you do have some fintechs that do that. And it all and it's also expensive because if you're only designing a solution for, you know, 20% of the population, that 20% will really have to pay for your entire solution, which again, for them, makes it really expensive. And so what we're saying, hey, let us incorporate all of that into a single solution. So both the unbanked and the underbanked, as well as um, the fully banked, um, will be able to enjoy the same um, set of services. Mm, that's really good. And I like I like how you just merged the, the highways together. Like, hey, let's not call them two separate highways. Let's look at everything that's on the highway and make sure that we're serving everyone on the highway well. Yes. 
And with that, it makes it cheaper for everyone. So the the fully banked like myself, who you know rarely pays extra for for anything, I would like for the on an underbanked to to have those same privileges when they're buying something or when they're trying to get their paycheck or you know just in in their daily life. It's really good. Talk to me a little bit about like when you think about some of the big players in fintech. Um, obviously, this is a big space. How do you see what you do and really the passion that you have for why you started this company? How do you see yourself standing out? And and, and really, I would love uh, from the lens of entrepreneurs, right? If there's somebody that's listening to this and they, they're wanting to, to do what you did, which is step out and start something on their own, they've been dreaming about it. It's a big industry, right? Fintech. How do you stand out in that industry and, and what does that look like? So... My thing is, one is probably do your research um, in the sense of um, make sure that you're offering a solution, like not just saying, hey, um, this would be a good idea. Let's do it. But really try to, you know, to offer um, to to offer a solution and um, and and then just kind of go from there. I would say um, kind of that's probably my my biggest thing and and what's you know, what's really driving us. Mm -hmm. I love that because um, it's more than just an idea, right? Like you said, you've been doing this for a number of years, but even specific and financial for about 15. And so you've through probably in your mind how to do this for a number of years. Um, how did you take that idea from just a, something that was in your head to, um, to paper? When you did the research, what were some of the critical factors that you wanted to pull forward before you started this company? Yeah. So one of the, the, the key things is I had access to all the players in the space. So I spent a lot of time with retailers and understanding their pain points. I mean, especially the retailers that serve the on and the underbanked community, but just retailers in general. So I spent a lot of um, a lot of years um, interacting, working, uh, innovating with those retailers. On the other hand, the issuer. So this may be banks or some of the later fintechs. Again, spending a lot of time understanding some of their pain points, and especially when it comes on to the newer fintechs, they were having even more trouble just, you know, getting their products in the hands or, or, or expanding the use of their products. And then couple that with my consumer research over the years, um, kind of putting all of those together led me to saying, hey, this solution that we've designed, so what we what we did was we designed a payment um, infrastructure that literally requires no consumer information to like authorize and settle a transaction. So when it comes on to consumer privacy, when it comes on to security, we've built it for today's infrastructure. So there is nothing to hack. Um, or if you hack us, there's nothing to get because we we don't store, we don't transmit, we don't have any financial information from either the consumer or the financial institution. We have no data on the consumer, so we don't know who's making the purchase. So just how we've designed the network, the infrastructure, we really designed it to meet um, today's uh, needs and not just trying to say, hey, we're going to create 
you know, a, a more secure um, environment or we're going to create um, this new fraud thing that's going to stop. We just try to eliminate all that information so we don't necessarily have to focus on fraud because there is no information to, you know, there we don't really have to focus on security, even though, you know, those things are core part of the, the, the solution. It's not our focus because don't carry certain types of information, which makes us um, or the network less of a target because there isn't really anything there to steal. Man, that's really interesting. So as you think about innovation in this industry and in the fintech industry, what are some themes or just some places you see it going just maybe as a result of COVID, maybe not, but just what are some of the higher level themes of, of fintech and where you see the industry as a whole going? First, I'll say one of the downsides of, of, of the, the industry right now, I don't think enough research is being done on, on consumers. So we just tend to kind of see what is already there and just kind of build on it. So we really haven't seen anyone coming out with anything significantly different. What I see coming down the line, though, is the barriers to entry for a lot of these infrastructure that or a lot of the infrastructure that we have in face today those barriers are coming down really really fast and while i am not a hundred percent sure as to what's next i could say it's going to be really really exciting because just kind of speaking with some you know friends so when it comes on to even banking or when it comes on to various um, retail um, environments. It's just becoming a lot easier and a lot more efficient, a lot cheaper for for new companies uh, to to, to come in and and, and disrupt. And from from a cost standpoint and and from a timing standpoint and just, you know, sheer resources, it's it's just, you know, really good, really cheap at this point. Yeah, that's really powerful. I'm just thinking about um, how rapidly this industry uh, evolves. And it's funny, as you were talking, I was thinking about the fact that I don't know if you know that I was a co-inventor on a patent for basically being able to load Groupons and coupons on your credit card. And when you swipe them at the point of redemption, it deducts them. But I just think how fast the industry has gone. I'm really happy you brought that up. So what we've done, that service that you, you know, that patent that you just mentioned, what we're trying to do, we're saying, hey, if you already have that from a network standpoint, we integrate with the coupon providers, with the loyalty providers, with the reward providers. So all you really have to do, and again, with us, there are no cards and there are no account numbers and there are no user IDs or anything. However, we're still able to associate you with those services. And so once you go to the point of sale and use um, or network at the point of sale, all of those are automatically applied. So while we're not going out and trying to reinvent that, we just fully integrate with those. So you never have to worry. So yes, um, you don't have to add it to your card. But for us, once you're using um, our payment network, and if you already have some of those existing it's just automatic and it's just there. And, and, and it, when you kind of think of, you know, it, you having five or six or seven credit cards in your wallet, for us, it's just that you just need to add it once. And regardless of how you're paying, all of those are, um, are automatically applied. 
Why didn't I think of that five years ago, Dave? <laughs> I love it. This is awesome. <laughs> the funny thing is that that's what I was saying earlier, that from a technology standpoint, it's, it's jumping so fast that, you, I mean, while five years ago, even with, with our solution, so there isn't an offline component. And, and so um, a lot of times folks ask, well, can you do this without an internet connection? And, and the answer is no. But our thing is that, Internet connection is so prevalent at this point that it, you literally have a connection everywhere you go. And so, yeah. you know, w- when you kind of think of today's and when you think of 5G, especially, um, it just makes it even more so. So our our idea was not to ever have an offline um, option. It was always going to be online because we know that there will always be an Internet um, you know, even when I, I think there was only a, a few months ago or a few weeks ago, uh, I think T-Mobile suffered. A, oh, yeah. Their voice service went down, but their data service was still up. <laughs> it just kind of chose that to saying, hey, yeah, you know, th- that infrastructure, that data infrastructure is, is, is really robust. And so um, our, our solution relies um, like 100% on having that data infrastructure there at all times. That's really good. So advice for entrepreneurs. They have a breakthrough idea. What advice would you give them? Maybe good things that you did not realize this year as you've gone through kind of standing this company up and then maybe some just challenges that you didn't expect. What advice would you give them as if, if they are in the process of launching something right now? So I think you kind of said something about this earlier. I say try something. Mm. The good thing is that we started off with um, an idea, with a concept, but we're about nine months into it now and it already changed. So <laughs> it's just that you have to start, you know, and then you're going to you're going to meet those um, bumps. You're going to run into those obstacles, but um, you're going to be able to pivot. Um, as I mentioned, once you, you have your research and you understand your market, you'll be able to pivot um, relatively well if, if, if you do those um, things up front. So my advice is always just start it. I mean, once you start, it becomes a lot easier. Yes, there will be frustrating times. Yes, there will be, you know, some really, really highs and some really, really lows, but it's exciting. And just try, just start. I love that because what you start with may not be what you end up with, but that's okay. And it's the, it's the journey. Like I believe if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to enjoy the journey and not always be trying to rush to the destination. That is probably one of the biggest things is the journey itself. So the path that myself and my co-founders are on, I mean, yes, even through the worst of times, we are still having, we're still trying to have fun at it. and, And that's the kind of environment and and the and that's also another thing is that we're creating an environment that we would like to work in and that's also a big plus for us so even during the downtimes because we it's our you know it's our culture that we're creating we're creating a culture that's saying hey yes sometimes things may not work out the way that we want but this is how we're going to respond to it. This is how we're going to treat it. And we're, you know, and we just make sure that we have fun throughout the entire process without necessarily, you know, resorting to, oh, my goodness, you know, the sky's falling. <laughs> it's easy to do. I don't know if you've ever seen the entrepreneur meme that's out there, but it literally is just like looking at a roller coaster and it's like, 
this is amazing. Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Oh, this is awesome. You know, it's like every day is like multiple times a day you go through all those emotions of, of being on that roller coaster. So. Yes. And it's really good. And I have to thank Mike Arnold, who's our CTO. The first time I pitched to him, he was like, no. The second time he was like, absolutely, let's do this. And so, um, so yeah, so he was, he, you know, he was my first co-founder and Ariel Scroggins. She's our, our CFO. And again, without her, I would know half the things that uh, when it comes down to finance that we needed to, <laughs> to, to, to actually, you know, pay attention to. So I, I, I have to give both of them huge credit for, uh, for, for joining me on this journey as well. I love that. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Um, no, just my thing is just more of try something, try something new, enjoy the ride and just create something. I love that. So Dave, where can people follow you? So I am probably one of those folks that uh, I, I don't have social media. <laughs> um, I, I am an innovator, yes, but I, I uh, when I come home, I'm normally uh, offline. But I am on LinkedIn, Dave K. Allen. Also, Paydian is also on LinkedIn as well. So that's basically where I am. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm not on any other um, social media <laughs> platform. For, I know it sounds bad for an innovator. <laughs> <laughs> it actually doesn't sound that bad. I think most of us need to need to go back to being offline more because that's where you create. You don't create when you're swiping. You create when you're when your, you know, brain is is having that downtime. Yes, and I do spend a lot of time offline. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> To our listeners, thank you for joining the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we're on a mission to get the word out and get more listeners. So please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode on your social media platform of choice. And remember, don't just get out of the box, break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something. Thank you for joining us for the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Innovation Meets Leadership. And visit our site at innovationmeetsleadership.com for more innovation resources. Today's sponsorship is brought to you by Territory Global. We work at the intersection of experience and imagination. We help you pinpoint problems and turn them into opportunities. We make imagine happen. Some of the best organizations in the world choose us as their partner to help solve their strategy, innovation, transformation, story, and ways of working problems. Learn more at Territory.co.